Hope is this message that gets blasted everywhere, doesn't it? Right? Like it's used in political slogans, sometimes just the word, sometimes it's, it's a hope for a new city, a hope for your town, a hope for your country. Uh, it's used in corporate slogans and marketing, and uh, it's used by charities and, and corporations, right? McDonald's says, you know, you just you have this hope that you're going to have this shake, and it's going to give you new life, and it's going to be exciting and delicious, and you know when you get there, the ice cream machine's going to be broken, but it doesn't matter. Like you, you hope for that, right? Uh, and it's, I've realized as I was thinking about this uh, message this week, that hope is this message that gets plastered everywhere for all things because we crave it and we desire it and we want it and we want to have hope that things could be better. But we realize we live in a, in a world that just things aren't great, right? We, we live in a world where, where things aren't, aren't easy and they're not always fun and in fact they're quite hard and there's suffering and there's pain. And if we think on a global scale over the last couple of years, I mean, the pandemic and the economic impact and geopolitics and climate change and all these things that continue to cause strife and struggle, that continue to cause division, continue to cause arguing, war. There's been storms that have come across islands and other nations causing, causing devastation. There's this world around us that we get to see just beamed up into, beamed into our phones every morning. Here's the headlines. This, is, this country's at war. This, country's, this president's mad. This, like all of these things just continue to come and bombard us from a, a global perspective. Right? This world doesn't, doesn't really feel much like there's hope. I mean, it's probably the opposite, really. It feels a lot more like, the, like there's despair, like there's pain, like there's suffering, like there's anguish, there's famine, there's human trafficking, there's, there's struggle. It's not hope. Right? And maybe even just thinking on a smaller scale in our own lives over this last year and a half, last couple of years, maybe you've experienced job loss or you've had to change schools, you've, you failed a class, you had to take it over, you had to change your major, like you had to get a job to just start paying for things, your bills stacking up, like all of the anxieties continue to rise. You, you're trying to worry about your retirement starting early or just you realize you started way too late. You're, you're trying to just start just to take care of your kids, just, just manage your household, just, just please just make sure we make the mortgage pay, like all of these things just continue to well up. And you have broken relationships, relationships with your parents, relationships maybe with a spouse, with your friends. It's not, it's not easy like it used to be. It's not fun like it used to be. It's, it's hard. You know, they, they disagree with you about this political issue. They, they disagree with the way that you live your life. They disagree with like, all these, this, this strife, this pain. You realize the things that, that are in your past, like that, that that affects you still today. There's wounds or there's scars. I mean, look around and in this life, it just continues to, to be hard. It's the world that we live in, right? If we, if we really take account, like there's, there's out there in the world, but also in here, like even just in ourselves, looking in the mirror, like there's, there's criticism, insecurity, frustration, pain. We look for hope because we need it. We look for hope because there's nothing in this world that really gives us a sense that things could be better. And yet in us, we want them to be better. We think they could be better. We just don't know how to get there. And so we put our hope in whatever politician gives us the best speech or whatever uh, amount of money seems like the best offer, whatever thing that it is out there, that the, the new tech, the new show, the new whatever it is that we have to just consume to try to give us a little bit of something that feels like life. Because everything around us, it, it, feels, it feels a lot more like death. It's, it's hard. 
And especially over the last year and a half or so, like I just feel like everybody around us feels that way more and more. Like what are we doing here? What is this, what, this is life? It's painful. It's difficult. Are you encouraged yet? <laughs> but that's the message that we have from Jesus today, and that's why, that's why we're here this morning, right? That's why we're here every Sunday morning, because we want to worship and give glory to a God who gives us hope. We want to know that there's something more, something that, that we can live into, something that we can live out of, something that, that gives us and fills us and, and, and compels us forward. We want to hope that endures a culture of despair around us. Right? We want a hope that endures the suffering and the pain and whatever life has to throw at us. And how can we have that hope? Because its reality is no amount of money gives us that hope. Right? There's plenty of angry billionaires out there. Clearly, they're on TV all the time. Right? There's plenty of frustrated and painful people that have the perfect house or the perfect family, or it all looks that way, at least on the outside, and it still just doesn't seem to give them the hope. But what do we have that we can cling to to give us that hope? That hope is in Christ. That hope is in Jesus, right? We have that hope because we've been going through the I am statements, right? What that is is in John's gospel, Jesus literally telling us about his character. And there's a, there's a divine sense in which that is, uh, that's expressed, right? That I am, hearkening back to the Old Testament, Jesus is God. And then as a God, what kind of God is he? Because we have hope in him because we don't worship a God who sees us in our suffering and just like laughs at us. He doesn't enjoy our pain. We don't worship a God who sees us in our suffering and just ignores it and goes on to to feast in in his banquet hall. We don't worship a God who sees us in our suffering and does nothing. We worship a God who sees us, who sees you, who knows the pain, who knows the anguish, who knows the frustration, who knows the anger, who knows the suffering that you experience right now and wants to help who wants to reach into your life and bring transformation. We worship a God who entered into this world to suffer with us so that we might have suffering end. We worship a God who loves us and who knows us and who wants us to know him. And so he's been revealing himself to us through Jesus. And through Jesus, he continues to give us a hope that we can live into, a hope that we can live out of, a hope that we can have in this world give us and last into eternity. And that hope is that today, as we focus on John 11, is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus came to overcome death that we might experience true life. Jesus came to overcome death so that we could experience true life. And we're going to see that today in John 11 through a friend of his. Jesus gets a message that a friend of his named Lazarus is sick. And then Jesus goes to visit the family and he finds that Lazarus has died. And in John 11, we pick up where Jesus meets Lazarus' sister Martha. Follow along if you have a Bible in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. See, Martha had felt this thing that is familiar to a lot of us. She came out to meet Jesus as he was coming into her town uh, to greet him, but also to, to maybe, it's hard to read whether she's angry or just upset or disillusioned, but to express something to him. And what she was expressing, whatever her emotion was, was out of her sorrow and grief. See, the reality is, is that she had lost a loved one, her brother. He was dead. He had been sick, and now he was gone. And it had been days where she'd been mourning her loss. And so Jesus comes, and she greets him, but then she, she just acknowledges that if he had just been there, something would be different. She wishes it was different. And that's the sting that we all know. Like, if we've lost loved ones, we have to recognize, like, there's something very natural about death. And what I mean by that is it's common, right? Look back through history. The mortality rate, it's like 100%. <laughs> um, that, was, that got a way bigger laugh in this service. <laughs> threw me off here. 100%, moving on. Um, right? But think about it. Like, people, it's just, it's so natural. Like, it happens. You, you, you get older, and you're in grade school, and maybe you're, you have a grandparent pass away, or, or you're, you, know, you continue to get older, and, and eventually you start having your friends pass away, or unfortunately, some, some are, are even, we know the sting of, like, a, a friend taking their own life, right? Death is very common in the sense that people die all the time. It's so natural, it's, it's this end that we all kind of know is coming, and we don't really know when, but it, it's like on our horizon. There's a timeline for our life, and at some point, that's happening, right? We may not get married, or we may not have kids, or, or whatever other things we want to do now, or, or wish we had done in the past, like, we know that that is coming. I was talking to a guy in his 70s, and he told me the other day, like, I know, like, probably 10 years from now, I'm not gonna be on this earth anymore, right? It's a sobering reminder that death is coming. It's common. It's natural. It's like the one thing that everybody does. You get born, you die, and you pay taxes. But other than that. <laughs> and yet at the same time, there's something so unnatural about death. There's something so like, when it happens, like what do you mean I can't bake cookies with my grandma anymore? Right? What do you mean I can't just pick up my phone and call him? What do you mean I'll never see him again? Right, there's something in us, like as common as it is. And, and sure, in our culture, like we don't talk about death very often, right? Until it happens or until we get like bad news from the doctor, like we kind of avoid the topic as much as possible. Even over the past year and a half, like we talked about viruses, we talked about masks, we talked about sickness, we talked about uh, pain, we talked about vaccines. We, very little did we talk about death, other than like the little numbers that the news would put on the corner so that you could stay pay attention, keep watching. Because we don't really want to acknowledge it. Our culture kind of tries to ignore it, right? Yeah, like death happens, but you know, eventually by the time you're old, maybe like Elon Musk is gonna fix that. Right? But it, it, we, we act that way because there's something in us that says this isn't how it's supposed to be. Right? There's something about the way that we experience death, like it, 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 yes, it's common, it happens, people die, and yet I, whenever I've, I've experienced, like there's, this doesn't feel right. It's because it's not. That is not how life is supposed to be. God didn't create us to die. God created us to live. 
Right, Genesis 1, God breathes life into Adam and Eve. We have this picture of this garden that is lush and, and, and growing and then people that he's put in there and they're subduing the earth, they're filling it. He's even given them power to create life right in their, in their marriage and, and, and get more life into this world. That's the mandate that he gives to them. It's life, it's not death. Right, he gives this picture that we are supposed to experience life and, and yet when we experience death, we recognize that's, that, that's not the same thing. Right? Death comes as a result of rebellion against God. Death comes to this world as a result of sin. Right? And, and physical death, right? that's the warning that God gives to, uh, gives to Adam and Eve. Don't, don't do this. In other words, obey my commands, follow me, honor me, show uh, your worship to me. And, and do so, so that you might have life, and if you don't, you'll die. And they didn't, right? They rebelled against God, they rejected that, they said, I'm gonna go my own way, and that's, that's really what sin is, right? I, I, don't, I don't acknowledge that God has the best path, I have, I, have, I have the best path for me, I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna do my own thing, I'm gonna charge my own way. And it leads to death. And it continues to lead to death today. Physical death, right, at the end of our life, at whatever point that is, like, we talk about physical death, but the Bible is really clear and interesting is that the way that we experience life, the way that we experience the result of sin and also then the result of our own sin, right, the way that we live and the suffering and the pain and the hardship and everything that we experience in this life from war to famine to to storms and thorns, like, Genesis 3 is wild because it gives us this picture that the life we live is is really like death. It's really much more like death, right? Paul says that we are dead in our trespasses. It means we're walking around almost like zombies. Like, like we just, we, we kind of breathe and we eat and we talk and we do some things, but, but without God, without Christ, without, without any hope in, in that, that thing and experiencing God's love, like the life that we live, the best we can hope for right now is really just, it's, it's death. It's death. John uses this imagery of darkness and blindness to help us understand that what we see and what we do, it's, it's not really life, it's not light, it's not like the garden, it's death. And think about it. Think about the way that we interact with this world. Think about the way that we experience life, right? We've seen over, uh, over the course of time all of those major political issues with, and then in our own life too, just the pain and the suffering that continues to happen. Right? Even when we try to, try to go the, uh, the way that we think is best and we try to help people, we try to be generous, we try to do the right thing, like things continue to get screwed up and messed up and, and people continue to hurt one another, people continue to get frustrated and angry. I, I mean, I think of all the things I wanna talk about in our culture today, one thing that just like boggles my mind is the rage that everybody has. Right? People, just, people are angry about everything and it's like zero to 100. Like, like um, I was listening to a podcast today, or the other day and there was this economic impact of the anger of customers, right? In other words, like people in like service industries, so think like baristas, uh, you know, serving at like fast food restaurants, other restaurants who are like waiters, cooks, like people who interact a lot with customers and on a very quick scale, like grocery store clerks and cashiers, like people that, that see a lot of people over time a lot, right, really quickly, they're hating their jobs more than they ever have because customers are jerks, 
right? Frustrated that they have to wear a mask. Frustrated that somebody else isn't wearing a mask. Frustrated that, that this is, uh, you know, no cash. And frustrated, like, frustrated that they don't have this on the shelf. And not just like, oh, that's a bummer. Like, I'm, that's sad. Or I'm frustrated. Or I really needed toilet paper. Like, frustrated to the point of disbelief. Like, anger and outright. Like, getting in fights in grocery stores, right? Pissed off at Taco Bell because they didn't give you enough hot sauce. Like, whatever it is. Like, the anger that customers are expressing is overwhelming. That's us. Right? Customers aren't just like those rude jerks out there. Like customers are people that, that continue to have this rage building up inside of them. So they're on, the, they're on the freeway and they're frustrated that someone's driving too fast. They're frustrated that someone's driving too slow. They're, someone didn't change lanes fast enough. They didn't use their signal. Nobody uses their signal in Phoenix. Anyway, um, right? like it's just this rage continuing to swell. And that's like the baseline that we're operating at now. It's not like getting mad at the, like looking back at history and seeing like, oh yeah, this was an injustice and that needs to be changed and we still have this work to do and I'm frustrated and this is sort of like righteous indignation, like God wants us to do something to, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and, and do things to help. Like that's one thing, but like these are just, just a baseline of rage. That's not life. That's death. Right, walking around like that all the time where you're constantly angry or constantly anxious or constantly fed up or constantly overwhelmed or constantly insecure or like all of this, it's just, it's not life. It's exhausting. It's painful. It's death. Right, if that's the best hope that we have, that's, that's not really any hope at all. That's the best life we can achieve. That's the best life we can experience. That's not what Jesus came to, to give us. And he sees us in the midst of that. Right? That's the beauty of it is, is from time past, before creation, God recognized that this was the trajectory that we would be on. Right? And he saw it and he chose to continue to form and create us and make us in a very good earth, even though that we would rebel him bell against him, and even though we would end up in a circumstance like this because his plan was to enter into it with us, right? And that's what we see even in John 1, the beginning of the gospel that we're in today. John writes that the word became flesh, right? That is the the spirit of God, the, the second person, the son, who becomes Jesus, enters into this world with us, enters into our suffering and our struggle, enters into this life as we experience it. It's really death, and dwells among us. And that word dwells, it's the same word for tabernacle. In other words, what we see in that passage is that uh, from the Old Testament, that the idea that God's presence was with his people, Jesus came and brought God's presence into us, and not just in some building where God made it manifest, not just in a tent in the middle of the desert, but through a person. And in that person, we find a hope that exists to go above and beyond death, a hope that lasts no longer, not just for now, but for eternity. And we see that in this passage now as we look again at verse 21. It says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. In other words, Jesus had been doing a lot and he'd built a reputation for performing miracles. Right, so what he would do is he would go and he would teach into a, in a city or in a town and he would continue to, to proclaim that when he came, the kingdom of heaven was here. 
And he preached hope, and he preached love, and he preached mercy, and he preached all of these things to people that had not heard this message in quite a while. And he was going, and he was also performing miracles, so he was able to make the blind see. He was able to make the deaf hear. He was feeding the hungry. He was helping those who, uh, the, the paralytic, walk, paralytic walk, right? He was able to perform miracles that, that uh, manifested in both physical and spiritual realities. He brought hope to the hopeless. In the midst of this life that, that really feels a lot more like death, he brought true life, right? The image in Genesis 1 is this garden blooming with fruits and flowers and trees. Life is alive. That's why when we celebrate Easter, we see all these flowers and trees. And, and when we look at, at this season now, right, we're, we're headed into like a season of death. It's dark, it's cold, it's dingy. All the trees are, are dying, the leaves are falling off. That's the imagery that we see a lot in these seasons, and Jesus came to bring flowers in the middle of winter. He came to bring life. And he did that in the people that society had written off, right? The sick, the ill, the people that were suffering in, in physical, socioeconomic ways, all kinds of ways that, that cast them out. The downtrodden and the brokenhearted. And he brought them in. And he brought them healing. And he preached to them hope. And Martha had heard those things. And Martha knew that if Jesus was there, he could have done something, right? Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. He was a few days away traveling, um, ministering in another town, and he heard that his friend Lazarus was sick, and he chose to stay where he was so that he could show the disciples something greater than healing. So when he came and Martha confronted him, Jesus didn't say, you're right, it's too late, I'm sorry. Jesus went into the town and greeted the mourners and then went to the tomb. And in verse 43, he says, Lazarus, come out. And with the stone having been rolled away. Remember, Lazarus was in the tomb like four days. Right? In other words, Lazarus is dead, dead. Right? He's, he's, he's rotting. And they'd wrapped him in, in death shrouds, just these rags, and, and they'd kind of given up. They're just mourning. And there's Jesus, rolled the stone away. Lazarus, come out. And to the shock of everyone there, stumbles out this, this man that they had known before. This man who they'd known was dead. And he's alive. See, Jesus could have come and healed Lazarus before he died, and, and that would have been amazing, a miracle. People would have talked about it. But this time, Jesus didn't heal someone who was sick. This time, Jesus had power over death. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he shows them, I'm the resurrection and the life. Now here's the beauty of it, is that Jesus also then enters into that himself. Philippians 2 talks about Jesus seeing us uh, from his place in, in the kingdom of heaven and coming down and humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, entering into our sorrow, entering into our pain, entering into our suffering in the way that we cannot even imagine and doing so in order that he might have the last laugh. 
right? That he might show victory, that he might give us hope that goes beyond the hope of just this life. And he gives so by raising again, by overcoming his own death. And in that resurrection, we have new life. See, Lazarus, Lazarus came back to life. Lazarus walked out of that tomb. Lazarus um, was an image where Jesus showed that he had power over death. But in his own resurrection, Jesus showed that he had power to give new life. See, Lazarus, Lazarus died again. Lazarus lived, I don't even know how long Lazarus lived for, but he, he ate meals with his sisters and he, he celebrated his resurrection. He celebrated coming back to life and eventually he ended right back up in that tomb. But Jesus' tomb was empty, and it remained empty. See, when he came back to life, when he overcame death, when he resurrected and brought new life, he brought new life for all of us who put our faith in him. He brought new life through his resurrection where there was no hope or no fear of what might come in the future. Right? And he says that right here in verse 26. It says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Right, so maybe, maybe in some physical fashion, right, because Jesus has been uh, ascended for a few thousand years now, uh, believers physically die. And maybe you've had a grandparent or a friend who's, who's already passed away and you've experienced that loss. But we don't do that without hope. Right, we don't do that without, without the realization that that is for a moment because what we have to recognize now is that when we're talking about a life in eternity, the life that we live now is an instant. It's short. It's like a mist of air. It evaporates and disappears. But when we're talking about eternity, that's forever. And so even if we encounter that, that physical death, we have a hope for a spiritual life, a whole eternal life that goes on and on and on. The hope that we have is that Jesus has overcome this life, overcome the suffering that we encounter today, overcome the pain, overcome the death that it means to be human in this world because we have a new life ahead of us, a new life where there is a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth and new bodies. And I don't mean that means you're gonna be like ripped and have a six pack and stuff, I don't know. But what I do know is that like your knees that ache in the morning, they won't ache anymore, right? Those migraines that you're experiencing, those won't be experienced anymore. There won't be any cancer. There won't be any liver disease. There won't be any heart disease. There won't be any death because that is not how God created and intended us to be. There will be life and there will be goodness and there will be peace and there will be joy and there will be love. And that is the life that Jesus came to bring through his resurrection. That is the hope that we have. And so now we can live out this world. In a world of chaos, we can be peacemakers. In a world of division, we can have unity. In a world of nonsense and disillusion and devastation and destruction and death, we can have life. Life, that is the hope that we have in Christ being the resurrection and the life. And that's why we gather, right? That's the hope that we continue to cling to. That's the hope that endures our suffering. That's the hope that endures the culture of despair around us and the outrage on social media and the frustration on the news and whatever other things try to pull you and tug you and drive you down because the hope that we have overcomes this life. The hope that we have empowers us to live. The hope that we have is not only in ourselves. It's not in the money that we have or the way that we experience or the sex that we have or whatever other things we think are 
gonna make us happy. The hope that we have is in a God who has the power over death and life and has looked at us in the midst of our suffering, says, I love you. I want you to be with me. I want you to live with me. I want you to dwell with me as I have dwelled with you for eternity. And so we gather and we sing and we pray and we read his word and we live that out. That is the hope that we have in this world. That is the hope that we continue to remind ourselves to cling to in the midst of the trials that we face today, in the midst of the trials that we face tomorrow. Because God is with us. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so we're gonna sing that. And if maybe you haven't never believed that before, I want, I want you to just challenge you and encourage you to pray about that and listen to the words of this next song and see, would you rather seek death or life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for this day. God, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would guide us, and that you would fill us. Father, we ask that as we sing this final song, that it would be one of celebration to bring you glory because it is the work that you have done. Through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, the hope of the world that we could continue to gather and sing your praises and that we look ahead to an eternal life that has us gathered together, singing your praises and feasting with you, Father, where there's no suffering, no pain, just joy and love and peace and life. <laughs>